Welcome to Decolonizing Sexuality, where we have intellectual conversations that change the way we think about sexuality and question if that may have an impact on how we think about everything else. This is your host, Carrie Benton. Yo, yo. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back. So we did kind of fall into a bit of a once a month rhythm, and that felt right, um, you know, for these podcast episodes. But of course, things are always subject to change as we listen more deeply to our bodies and are in equilibrium with the shifts of the planet in many ways. So I'll probably resume episodes with co-hosts again in May, and I'll share more about that. But before we get to that, I want to take a moment to lift up Trans Day of Visibility on March 31st. Transgender Day of Visibility was founded in 2009 by Rachel Crandall a Michigan-based transgender activist and the executive director of Transgender Michigan. It was started as a day of awareness to celebrate the successes of transgender and gender non-conforming people and is an important day for the LGBTQIA community. Hearing the trans perspective from trans and non-binary people first versus people who occasionally choose to represent trans people for their own gain is super important. And in reality, hearing any perspective from the actual people first versus the people who occasionally choose to represent is important. I really don't believe in waiting to be represented. I think it's really important for creators to step out and represent themselves and to ask for support from our communities so that everybody will understand what being transgender or what being any of these kinds of marginalized communities is actually like. And um, the intention behind everything is also imperative to be conscious about and pay attention to. So here are some ways that I heard that you could be a really good ally for the transgender community. Seek out stories by transgender creators and support transgender creators which you're already doing right now. Seek out authentic stories and media that have been created by the transgender community, such as the Transgender Film Center, which is a nonprofit organization that supports transgender filmmakers and their projects. You can call your local LGBTQIA center. You can see what kind of help they need, whether it be volunteering or offering a service that you're really good at. And I think above all else, educate yourself. We can start by learning the basic terminology surrounding the transgender community. For example, people often confuse sexual orientation and gender identity. There are many places online that share tips on how to be a good ally. So please check out those resources and references that I leave in this episode description. Also, today is World Autism Awareness Day, which is April 2nd and kicks off Autism Awareness Month. So this year's World Autism Awareness Day theme is inclusion in the workplace, challenges and opportunities in a post-pandemic world. And the UN says that the COVID-19 pandemic has exposed and heightened glaring inequalities around the world, especially when it comes to income and wealth distribution, access to health care, protection under the law, and political inclusion. Persons with autism have long faced many of these inequalities, which have only been further exacerbated by the pandemic. It's a problem made worse by long-recognized discriminatory hiring practices and workplace environments that present major obstacles for people with autism. 
all of which contribute to the unemployment or severe underemployment of a large majority of adults on the autism spectrum. I do know in general how my neurodiversity has impacted my life experiences when it's come to the workplace and how I literally could not function in a typical nine to five environment. And think of how unfair that that really is if you can't function in an environment that is typical and to be seen as lazy for that. You know, like I succumb to the rhetoric of you're just lazy if you can't work a nine to five job. And the worst part is, you know, good luck if you seem too able for disability benefits, because a lot of people will ask, oh, well, why don't you just get disability benefits? It is not that simple. Some of these neurodiversities like autism can be, quote unquote, invisible. Right. So it is important to know these things. Um, I actually had to exit the workplace altogether and find other ways to make my contributions to the world. So I can certainly empathize from a similar perspective. I eventually learned that entrepreneurship is an excellent way for autistic and neurodiverse people to make a living while honoring your sensitivities, as well as your mental, physical, and emotional energy. Autistic and or neurodiverse creators are severely underpaid and undervalued, which is why it's so important to come together and support these creators in any way you can. If you're neurodiverse and need any personalized help with this, you can hit me up at simplybybeing.com contact, and I'll see how I can support you and offer resources. And if you're looking to really stand with the autism community, it's very similar to being a supporter of any marginalized community. Once again, seek out stories by creators who are actually autistic. Call your local autism centers. See what kind of help they need, right? And, of course, educate yourself. Really educate yourself through media and creations where autistic people talk about autism. You'll notice that there are so many misconceptions out there on what autism really is, on what being transgender really is, what it's like. So I think it's really great that we have these days that help us reorient um, ourselves as allies and members of these communities. Since the last time we talked, I have actually had the pleasure and the honor of being asked to be on two different podcasts. So this first one that I was asked to be on Um, Speaking of lifting trans voices is by Bo Bradley. This is Bo's statement online. Bo My God is a passion project for me that began last August as a way to foster community, provide accurate, transparent, and factual information and education on queer and trans topics, and to amplify voices through the sharing of personal experiences, resources, life lessons, and even just conversation and visibility. This is currently a project that I'm doing in my spare time to share what I'm learning and to create visibility for others in any way that I can. And they try to release one episode every two weeks. I originally got invited onto the podcast to talk about aromanticism. So I'm really looking forward to being a part of that representation and visibility for the aromantic community. The next podcast I got asked to be on is pretty awesome because I've become a big fitness junkie over the pandemic with all this extra time. So I find it funny. I find it a funny coincidence since I haven't really blogged or talked about fitness at all. Um, 
but I'm getting asked to be on Fit for Joy, which is by a Latinx first prize fitness competitor, Valeria Koopman. I love her podcast description. It's not just about fitness. It's a quest for well-being. It's a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, and insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. Because we all know that that's connected, right? The inspiration is love, and the aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. So go over and listen to those podcasts when you get a chance. I'll leave the links in the episode description, and I'll keep you posted about when my interviews are scheduled to show up. And now this is the part where I talk about upcoming podcast episodes here on this podcast. So I am still recording episodes. I'm just not releasing them yet. So far, I've recorded three episodes that will be released sometime after May, and I'll be recording a fourth one with the co-host in May, and that will most likely be our next episode. So what I'm basically saying is that I release my episodes out non-linearly. And I think it's kind of funny how people automatically assume that a recorded episode will be the next episode out. <laughs> so I do extend that question to you. What are ways that you may be assuming a linear perspective on something that you could make nonlinear if you simply made the choice to? So in May, I'll be speaking with Gabrielle Griffith, who is a deeply insightful Black woman doula and parent that I'm happy that I'm having the chance to get to know. So that's going to be a wonderful, wonderful episode. I'm really looking forward to releasing that one. Also, since the last time I was on the cast, I ended up unearthing some research that came out a little over a year ago regarding BDSM and kink not being linked to past traumas. How many times have you heard about kink practice being seen as linked to past traumas? Well, guess what, folks? It has been found that there is no data that can support that claim. For those of you who are unaware, BDSM is a kind of sexual expression and or practice that refers to three main subcategories, bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadism and masochism. It's also integral for me to include that BDSM is not just a sexual expression or sexual um, or sexually related practice because asexual people have been fighting for representation in the BDSM community as well. It has been widely speculated that many BDSM practitioners or people who enjoy the BDSM lifestyle are drawn to it because of sexual trauma that they've experienced in the past. This study claims that BDSM practitioners deserve perception as normal sexual practice free from stigmatization because the study smashed this myth by surveying 771 BDSM practitioners and 518 non-practitioners from the general population. These participants all completed a survey assessing BDSM interests as well as the brief trauma questionnaire that is used to gauge traumatic events and the relationships questionnaire that is used to assess a person's attachment style. So if you want to read more, I have a link to the study and the article covering this in the podcast episode description. So be sure to check that out. It's really interesting. I share that kind of research with you on this podcast so that we can all be reminded that most ways of being that are not currently included in a status quo are inherently pathologized before they end up on the road to uh, more social acceptance, right? Of course, for example, this isn't to say that it's guaranteed that everyone will see 
being gay as normal someday. But one example is how the North American gay community was inherently pathologized before it was normalized all over the media 50 years later. Of course, we know that simply being gay can still get you seriously harmed pretty much everywhere. And conversion therapy is still legal in many places. So like I said, things are never expected to be perfect. But what's important to see is the big picture of if you're not inherently, or if you're not automatically a part of the status quo, anything that's different, any kind of relational fluidity is going to be inherently pathologized. So when you're stuck in some of these, some of these things that my clients can get stuck in with self-pathologization, constantly thinking, oh, am I broken, right? Because I am this way. No, you're not broken. It's just that society doesn't accept you. You have to accept yourself first and don't sit and wait for society to accept you. So that is one tidbit of a way that I like to support the relationally fluid community. And for those of you who have not heard my relational fluidity episode, what I essentially mean by relational fluidity is any way of relating to other people that is not currently included and the status quo. So, or anyone who has, um, who is a part of a community who had a hard time being accepted in a status quo. So that would be anything under the LGBTQIA plus community, anything under the BDSM kink community, anything under, you know, uh, relationship anarchy, basically any group that would fit um, under not really being a part of the typical status quo, right? So as a writer, I often focus on this group. I focus on sexology and sexuality studies, but with emphasis on depathologizing relationally fluid lifestyles, right? And depathologizing just means working on taking the rhetoric of that stems from trauma out of any of these relational dynamics that have not already been socially prescribed. And the way that we do that is by making sure that we are sharing accurate research, right? And that we are also gathering accurate representations of a relationally fluid experience. So once again, hearing it from us first and not just people who want to represent us is top tier, right? So one day I thought like, why not build a platform where other people can blog about these relationally fluid experiences? So I'm deciding to experiment with this through the Simply By Being community. Once you become a member of the Simply By Being community, you'll have the opportunity to read stories and content that empower the relationally fluid community. You can chat and follow other members and as well as have the opportunity to submit blog content and calls for submissions and calls for interviews, which I'm very excited about. So if you're asking, how do I do that? You can head on over to simplybybeing.com support, select a subscription plan, and you'll get approved as a member. All right, y'all. So I think that that is about everything. If you have any questions, you know where to contact me. And for those of you who want to join me in the community before May, I'll see you there. Deuces and check back in May for more episodes. Until next time.